Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, August 14th, and this is your FT News Briefing. A historic peace deal in the Middle East. Donald Trump is trying to make it more difficult for Americans to vote by mail in this year's presidential election. And a troubled bank loses a chief compliance officer. Plus, Washington keeps going after U.S.-based Chinese companies and hitting Beijing with sanctions. Why isn't China doing more to retaliate? I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Until this week, Israel only had established diplomatic ties with two Arab states, Egypt and Jordan. But that changed on Thursday, when Israel and the United Arab Emirates normalized diplomatic relations. The two countries made the announcement in a joint statement with the United States. The U.S. says it brokered the deal. But Palestinian leadership rejected what it called a surprising announcement and an assault on the Palestinian people. Even with the disapproval from Palestinian leadership, our Middle East editor, Andrew England, said that this is a big win for Israel's and the U.S.'s top leaders. So this is a big move for Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, who has made a big issue of improving relations with Arab states, particularly the Gulf states like the UAE. And it's also important for Donald Trump, who's been pushing a Middle East peace plan, an Arab-Israeli peace plan, that most people have been highly skeptical of and have accused it of being um, very biased towards Israel. But the UAE is an important staunch US ally. And so Trump can actually claim that, you know, this is a success for him as his drive for a broader, wider Arab-Israeli peace plan. I should say that the UAE has, for years now, been covertly cooperating with Israel on intelligence and security matters because Mohammed bin Zayed, the crown prince of Abu Dhabi and the de facto leader of the UAE, has long seen Iran and Islamist extremism as the main threats to the UAE and the region. And so on those two issues, the UAE pragmatically seen that uh, Israel and the Gulf state have, you know, common goals and shared enemies. So they've been cooperating for some time. So, but still to take it to the stage where they say that they are going to now have full diplomatic uh, relations at some point is a big deal. Americans are expected to vote by mail this year in unprecedented numbers amid the coronavirus pandemic. Now, President Donald Trump is undermining that process, threatening to deprive the U.S. Postal Service of money it needs to handle those millions of votes in the November presidential race. This comes as Republicans and Democrats still can't agree on a COVID-19 stimulus package. Mr. Trump told Fox Business he would not agree to any legislation that provided money to help postal voting. They want three and a half billion dollars for something that'll turn out to be fraudulent. That's election money, basically. This is far from the first time Mr. Trump has rallied against postal voting. He's repeatedly claimed, without evidence, that it's riddled by fraud. He's currently trailing Joe Biden in the polls, and Democrats have accused Mr. Trump of trying to sabotage the election. Now, normally the departure of a bank's chief compliance officer isn't big news. But when the bank is Wells Fargo, it catches our attention. Mike Romer is leaving after two years of trying to turn around the troubled bank's internal oversight and risk management functions. That's according to people familiar with the decision who spoke with the FT. Wells Fargo, you might recall, got into a whole lot of trouble a few years back 
for fraudulent sales practices. One scheme included opening millions of sham bank and credit card accounts. The company has already paid $3 billion in penalties and is still operating under an asset cap imposed by the Federal Reserve. Romer's departure comes as the bank partially scrapped plans to centralize its risk management. It's also been dramatically cutting the number of consultants it brings on, including those working on compliance overhaul. Wells Fargo didn't immediately comment. The U.S. keeps ratcheting up tensions with China. At the beginning of the year, it looked like relations were improving between the two countries thanks to a phase one trade deal. But since then, the Trump administration has threatened to ban Chinese companies that operate in the U.S., including Tencent's WeChat app and ByteDance's TikTok. On top of that, Washington closed China's consulate in Houston, Texas, and sanctioned Chinese leaders. But for the most part, China's avoided a tit-for-tat confrontation, and the measures that the country has taken against the U.S. haven't been anywhere near as severe as the U.S.'s. Christian Shepard, our Beijing correspondent, has been looking into the reasons behind China's relatively soft approach. Hi, Christian. Hi, Mark. Christian, China has responded to the U.S. action by sanctioning a similar number of U.S. politicians and individuals, but these sanctions seem relatively restrained. What factors did Beijing consider when it chose its targets, and what reasons has it publicly given for the move? China could have responded, as it has occasionally in the past, by essentially escalating the situation and choosing a response which would be perceived on the U.S. side as being harsher. It is, rather than doing that, avoided going after members of Trump's inner circle or individuals who are directly pushing for this more hawkish line on China. Instead, it has targeted a few individuals who are sort of long-standing individuals who the Chinese government has uh, repeatedly criticized. So there was clearly a calibration that happened whereby they were trying to work out the way that they could do something that would be equivalent, as in the same number of people, but wouldn't escalate by going after individuals who are particularly close to Trump. And why did they show that restraint? It does seem like China's kind of pulling its punches in this scenario. There's been mounting concern in China for the last few months. In fact, it's quite a reversal. At the beginning of the year, China was really aggressive in its foreign policy. There was this new brand of diplomats called the Wolf Warriors who were tending to come out swinging any time that China was being criticized. And this escalation from the US side, I think that has raised a lot of concern amongst the Chinese foreign policy establishment that perhaps they came out too hard too fast. And so what we've seen is a tamping back of that more aggressive approach. You know, it's hard to overstate how important the 2020 US presidential election probably plays in this whole thing, especially when you look at Donald Trump's, um, you know, tough stance on China. Uh, How does this affect China's thinking? A lot of what China is doing now in trying this new approach to its relationship with the US, where it is a bit more cautious and a bit more hesitant, it seems to be a attempt to wait and see and hope that the Democratic Party and Joe Biden might take 
a less aggressive approach. And it doesn't want to risk worsening things now with the possibility that in the result of a Biden win, that the relationship would already be so far derailed that even if there was interest in trying to improve the relationship and returning to a greater degree of engagement, they would have already scuppered that chance. Right. And now not wanting to create more work for themselves if they have to undo it later on under a democratic administration. Exactly. Christian Shepard is our Beijing correspondent. Thank you, Christian. Thanks, Mark. One more thing before I go. This was breaking on FT.com as we were putting the show together. SoftBank is going to lend WeWork a little more than a billion dollars. That's according to a memo sent by WeWork's chief financial officer to employees on Thursday. SoftBank has already invested more than $10 billion in the loss-making property group. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. And I'm on vacation next week. Dan Bobkoff, our editor, will be filling in. The rest of the FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. We had help from Gavin Coleman, Michael Bruning, and Amy Keene. Our theme song is by Manafort Music. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.